Inside the Gamecocks Podcast, J.C. Sherbert here with you along with Tony Morrell. It is the week of the Clemson-South Carolina game, folks. And boy, how the season flies by. We wait all year for it to come around, and then in the blink of an eye, it's over. It will be over for the Gamecocks after this game, win or lose. No bowl this year. Um, and lots going on, though. Lots to talk about here. And uh, we're going to start with a subject that's near and dear to all of our hearts, recruiting um, news kind of breaking, leaking out, Tony, last night about Reggie Grimes, who's, you know, set to make a decision on Thanksgiving Day, which uh, I know everybody that covers recruiting loves the fact that prospects announce on holidays. and <laughs> seems to be one of those things. I always tell the story of a kid that announced one time uh, for Arizona State, and I was kind of working that, I guess, I don't even know if you call it a site, I guess that feed for 24-7 sports, and he announced on Christmas Day he had one offer, and that was from Arizona State. Announced on Christmas Day. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that's a that's an old war story there that I'll never forget. I don't, I don't think he ever played a down for them either, but uh, anyway, maybe not the case with uh, Reggie Grimes, but um, so news came coming out earlier this week that it may be Oklahoma, after it looked like the Gamecocks for a while, and then... I know you reported today that uh, looks like he may just hold off on a decision. Uh, so I'm going to ask you, what do you make of all this? I, I know the folks I talked to have said, you know, it, it's more of the, I don't want to say toxic environment surrounding the program, but the uncertain uh, types of things that have gotten out in the media. And Oklahoma's come in on him, and I think probably – was emphasizing that. Um, and uh, But uh, I just want to get your take on where things stand right now. Yeah, I think it's primarily related to the comments that, that the new president, Robert Caslin made and the, the conflicting statements and, and the uncertainty those statements created in terms of, of Will Muschamp's future at South Carolina. Um, you know, Grimes, I think, has been preparing to commit to South Carolina for months now. And those comments threw a, a pretty big wrench in the in the process for the Gamecocks and, and Bobby Bentley and Will Muschamp and and you know, the defensive coaches have been working since those comments to try to overcome them. And, and I think there was a, a time when they felt like they did, but you know Oklahoma obviously is a a much more stable scenario right now with a young Lincoln Riley uh, at the helm and and you know an, another great season out there and. And it's an easier choice right now uh, if that's the choice he makes. I've heard conflicting things. I think if he does announce tomorrow, it will be for Oklahoma. Uh, South Carolina is obviously trying to get him to hold off on doing that. And then even if he does announce for Oklahoma tomorrow, I don't think Bobby Bentley will slow down. I think he'll continue to stay in touch with him and, and, uh, and with the hope that things will be more stabilized before signing day in, in September, excuse me, in December. There's also been some talk about him potentially waiting until February, but uh, we're just going to have to wait and see how it plays out. I think it's going to be tough for South Carolina to get him back in the boat, but uh, Bobby Bentley is certainly not the type to give up and, and will continue to work him. Yeah, I, I think, too, you know, when you, when you talk about Oklahoma, if it were LSU, uh, even like a Florida State with a new coaching staff, um, I don't think I would be uh, – uh, I think it would be reason for more concern, to be honest. Uh, I think that, um, 
But when you look at the Oklahoma situation, yes, it's a it's a good deal out there. Um, yes, they uh, they they have a great program. They've had a great season. They don't play much defense, but I know Alex Grinch, their defensive coordinator, uh, is a guy that I think could get their defense better, and they are better this year. Um, I also know that. Uh, as you know, Tony, the folks in Vegas don't just randomly throw things out there because it's it's a job for them. And when you look at the odds for who the next coach of the Dallas Cowboys is going to be, Lincoln Riley is the odds-on favorite. Um, you know, and, and there's been that talk that Jerry Jones wants to hire Lincoln Riley, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it's the Dallas Cowboys. And for someone that grew up in Texas like Lincoln Riley did, I mean, I think that that's a, uh, that's a job you certainly have to look at uh, on the NFL level. Um, and so you never know what's going to happen. I, I think it's disappointing. I think that as, as you and I both pointed out on the podcast last week, Tony, you know, those decisions by leaders to make comments like that, and by leaders I'm talking about the Board of Trustees and the President, they have consequences, you know. Uh, there are consequences when, when you're talking about that. And if you're going to keep Will Muschamp, which by all indications that's going to happen, then I don't know why you, you, you kneecap him like that because that's, uh, those have very negative consequences regardless of the fact, you know, you, you, you kind of didn't stand by your statement, went back and forth. It just it contributes to the whole air of uncertainty um, with Reggie Grimes. And if you have an option that is more stable – you know, obviously, he and his family have to make that decision. So, I, I, uh, I, um, I, I think that's just unfortunate. But, uh, but I'm telling everybody out there, you know, those those decisions have consequences. Those decisions to comment have consequences, and most of the time, those consequences have a lot to do with recruiting. Yeah, there's no question. And I think if Robert Castlin had it to do over again, he would handle things differently. Uh, you know, he's he's new to South Carolina, new to a, a a big time football program like this in the SEC, and the and I'm just I think he had good intentions. I don't think he was trying to muddy the waters, uh, but the the conflicting statements and and issuing statements to correct information that he had wrong. It just none of it was gave a a, a professional vibe it just was uh, it created more and more uncertainty and and put uh create a scenario for the coaches to where it was even tougher for them to recruit it was already tough enough given the uh, the way the season has gone and and you know some of the challenges they had built into to to what had happened this season but to to add those to it it, it just created a, a really tough scenario and and enough questions in the in the minds of, of reggie grimes and his father yeah, I mean it's like if you're if if you're back porch. Let's say you have like a let's say you you catch your table on fire, right? On your back porch. Grease, let's call it a grease fire. And then, you know, uh you walk outside and just douse it with lighter fluid. <laughs> That's kind of what it what it did, you know. You you need to put the grease fire out best as possible and uh you're sitting there with a bottle of lighter fluid and just pouring it all over there. And I and look, I, I want to be clear, too. Two, two points on this. Number one, I want to be clear that Reggie Grimes is an upside guy. I talked to somebody that was, you know, close to another program in the SEC that passed on Grimes that said, I'm surprised all these schools are taking him. 
the guy's not ready to roll, blah, blah, blah. And this is a school that I think recruits guys that are always ready to roll. Um, you know, he doesn't strike you right now. He, he's not a striker, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so, so I want to just make sure everybody knows that the, the success of the 2020 season does not hinge on Reggie Grimes. Um, that, that's, that's just one thing I think people kind of freak out about. I know the Gamecocks offered a, a junior college defensive lineman. His name's Yaya, but uh, I, don't, I don't remember his last name, unfortunately. Um, from Georgia Military, uh, kind of a late riser from Atlanta. That kid being a JUCO, let's say even if they ended up with both, that kid's probably going to play over Reggie Grimes. You know, don't, don't be like, you know, thinking and enamored with, with four- and five-star ratings as it relates to D. Lyman right out the shoot. I mean, you know, K.J. Henry up at Clemson, who I think is going to end up being a pretty good player, and he's still kind of a backup and a role player right now. He was a five-star guy. So there's there's an example of what type of, like, when we say upside, Reggie Grimes was. So, so that's number one. You know, the, the guy from Georgia Military probably is more suited to come in and make an impact next year, which if best champ – does return, which I do believe he will, that's going to be a critical year. You know, that, that guy probably means more to your success next season than Grimes. However, long-term, Reggie Grimes has a lot of things you can't even coach. Um, and so I do believe that it is a significant loss because he's a guy you wanted to have in the program, and you had him. Uh, you had him. Uh, you've been making good inroads in Tennessee. Um, and so uh, I think that uh, – that, that, that's a tough one, you know, because, like you said, Bobby Bentley's worked Tennessee very hard, and Grimes is a, a significant player. Staying with players Bentley's recruiting, Tony, Jaheim Bell, the tight end from Valdosta, who decommitted from Florida, uh, looked like a flip to South Carolina was pretty imminent. He's taking some visits. Oklahoma is in the mix for him as well. Going to take a trip to UF this weekend. I know he has some family from Florida, and it's the Florida-Florida State game. Um, so I kind of thought that maybe that's he's just kind of going to see a game that maybe means something to his family. But if you know the Gators can turn up the heat on him too, they have just as much ammo, if not more, than the Sooners do with Grimes. So I, I think there's probably a reason for concern. Uh, what are your thoughts? It's a pretty similar scenario. I think Bell has been planning – to choose South Carolina on signing day for some time now. And I think the the way the season has gone, the way the offense has performed, I think that's given him some pause. Obviously, the, the, the same uncertainty that affected Grimes could also play a role with Bell. Uh, Bobby Bentley has, has a great relationship with him. I think the best relationship of all of the, the coaches who are recruiting him, but that only takes you so far. So uh, I think the – his feedback from the Florida trip will be interesting. You know, I'm not even sure how hard Florida's pushing for him right now. He was committed to him earlier in the process. It'll be interesting to see, you know, what kind of reception he gets there and how hard their coaches push. And then Oklahoma obviously is is an attractive option with their offense and and you know some of the things they they do. But I think he wants to go to South Carolina. He just needs to be certain about it and and feel comfortable with. Uh, not only the immediate future of the program, but the long-term future, and and I'm sure if there is a, a change at offensive coordinator, you know that could also play a role in his decision. So, I would I would agree with you that there is some reason for concern there, uh, but you know I think Bentley has them in as good a place as they could be, all things considered, at this point in the process. Uh, but it, it's it's going to be one of those they're probably going to have to ride out all the way through that early signing period. 
Yeah, I agree with you there. He's a heck of a player, and I, I know he had the injury and stuff, but very versatile guy that I think certainly uh, in, in an offense that can use versatile players. Uh, and I don't know that, you know, South Carolina's at this point fits that bill, but uh, maybe it will. I, I, I certainly think that, uh, you know, Bell's a guy that can definitely uh, make some things happen. All right, offensive coordinator, Brian McClendon. I just uh, – I don't think it's any surprise. I don't. I don't. I don't think the guy's going to come back. I think that that's uh, the 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 play calling has been a big issue this year. I think that when you're at South Carolina, you have to be able to comp overcome overcome some things. Um, one of those is depth, and if you're going to continue to run your program uh, to the point where you're just living with the average number of injuries in the SEC, which is something Will Muschamp's been on the record as stating that it is average. I, I don't think it is. Um, and I've, I've got some, got some research, but you just, you never know when you kind of dealing with other schools, what, what it definitely, what the average is, but, you know, I was talking to somebody, uh, you know, that said Steve Spurrier is really good about, you know, keeping his, his players healthy. And, um, and that's right, because I don't think South Carolina had a lot of injuries. And, and you know, for a long time, I just kind of thought, well, Spurrier's an offensive guy. He'd be happy if they just played seven-on-seven. Seven. He's all about not but nobody getting hurt, blah, blah, blah. I thought it was just more him. But, you know, the, the, the method to that madness was at South Carolina, Tony, a lot of times your top 40 can be just as good as anybody or your top 30. But after that, you know, you're probably not going to have the depth of, from other schools to, to you know – to overcome losing some of those guys. And if you think about those Spurrier teams, you know, had they lost a couple of significant guys, you know, they would have been playing some guys that, you know, couldn't play dead in a movie. <laughs> so uh, I, I think there's some, some truth to that. Um, so, so, so my point is if, if you're, if you're not going to, if you're just going to live with injuries, you have to absolutely have to have some kind of offense that's going to be a special preparation, that's going to make opposing defensive coordinators at least think from down to down. Um, and, and so I, I just don't think that's Brian McClendon. I think, you know, just we, we've kind of seen that play out this year. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I tend to agree. And I don't think things are set up for the offense to turn things around on Saturday against Clemson. Uh, you know, Brian Edwards – they're listening to him as questionable. I think he's probably more in the doubtful category. Shai Smith, I'm not sure is healthy. Xavier Leggett was banged up in the last game. There's a lot of questions at receiver. And I think you're going to see Clemson take the, the running game away as best they can for South Carolina, beat him with the pass, and I'm just not sure they're going to be able to do that. So I don't expect the offense to look much better this week against a really good Clemson defense. And obviously their offense is much better suited to take advantage of uh, a, a scenario where South Carolina's offense is struggling uh, more so than, than Texas A&M was able to for most of that game two weeks ago. So I don't think the, the, the signs are very positive for McClendon and his future at South Carolina right now. I don't know for sure that a change is coming, but I tend to, to lean that way and, and would be surprised uh, if he came back. Uh, you know, obviously a lot of people on the website and elsewhere want to know who the potential candidates could be. And I think it's just too soon to say on that. A lot of people also want to know how Will Muschamp would handle it if he is going to make it a change there. And I think if you look back to how he handled it with Kurt Roper, 
Uh, he gave him a little bit of time following the final game to to find another job. The one difference there is they did have a bowl game to prepare for that year. They're not going to have one this year. Uh, but I, I know Will, Will Muschamp has a ton of respect for Brian McClendon, and it wouldn't be an easy decision to, to make a change there. But I'm just not sure he's going to have any choice, and, and I would expect him to probably handle it in a similar fashion and give him an opportunity to try to find something else, which I think he will as a position coach. I think he'll have a lot of options as a recruiter and a, and a, and a receivers coach. I'm not sure he's going to have a lot of options as a coordinator right now. He's probably going to have to work his way back up the ladder somewhere else. But, uh, you know, but we'll, we'll see how it plays out. I think the guy's a running backs coach. I, I think I think you know you look at his career at Georgia. He was a receivers coach, I think, for two or three years. Right after they brought in Thomas Brown, um, he's coached a lot of great running backs. Uh, I think uh, even though he played receiver in college and all that, I think the guys, are, you know, you, you look at some of these staff changes, Florida State, someplace like that. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I think it would. I think with Kurt Roper, it was a little bit more challenging for him to find. Uh, a gig and that it will be for for BMAC too. I think that'll be pretty. I think that could happen relatively quickly. So uh, I don't see him back. I, I think that you know, as far as replacing him, I, I mean, I've, I've heard some na- the names out there. I mean, there's all kinds of uh, rumors. There always are rumors. Everybody from Kendall Browse to Steve Spurrier returning as the offensive coordinator, which I don't want to laugh too hard at that. Because I, I do think that Steve Spurrier could come back to a program and call plays on Saturday. I think that part of it's fine. But I that would be just totally unprecedented. And, and if it failed, it would be a laughingstock type of situation. So, um, But so I've heard the names, too. I, I think there are a lot of good coaches out there Muschamp can go get. I just don't know that he'll go get them, Tony. I just, you know, it, it's uh, – it's just one of those things where he's got to hire a guy, I think, that's proven, that hasn't gotten fired as a coordinator somewhere, that, that doesn't have a mixed track record, that, they, that he can just that can just come in and take over the offense and you just say, all right, you go roll with that and, uh, and, and, and take care of that side of the ball. I, I, just, I think that's something that, that is very paramount if you move on from McClendon. You know, you've got to have a you know, no no risky hires, no guys that work for the guy, you know, no no Charlie Weiss types that you know have this complicated freaking offense because you can't be complicated at South Carolina. Uh, you can't be to a certain extent. Um, you know, no guys that uh, you know were anywhere near the Florida program. You know, I, I just I, I think he and nobody that has to you know learn on the job. I think this is, you know, Brian McClendon I thought was a critical hire. But uh, I, I think this one sort of takes the cake. I think, I think this one's unbelievable. So, Yeah, I mean, this is – and we said some of this last time around, but the, this, this hire could very well determine whether Will Muschamp remains a head coach for one more year or, you know, 10 or 15 more years. So – uh, it, it's huge, and, and I think he needs to find, in some ways, uh, an offensive head coach, you know, someone who can be the guy on the offensive side of the ball, and and not only call plays, but you know, be the guy who's in charge. I and mean, that's how Spurrier did things with his defense. You know, Ellis Johnson uh, was his defensive coordinator in, in the best years, and and he was the, essentially the defensive head coach and the guy who ran everything on that side of the ball. 
and and, and Steve Spurrier wasn't interfering or, or really getting involved much with what they did. You know, most of the times he didn't even have his headset on in games when the defense was on the field. So, uh, and I think Will Muschamp needs to, to take a similar approach there and find. I don't know who that guy is, but he has to find him, and it has to be a guy who can come in and, and push the right buttons and, and give the, the fan base something to be excited about going into the next season and, and you know, put put an exciting brand of, of offensive football on the field. Yeah, I think it's absolutely critical, and, and it would be – we will talk more about names maybe as soon as next week, but uh, I, I think there are a couple of guys out there that fit the bill um, – you know, normally, normally I look at like some out of the box hires and stuff like that. Not with this one. I I wouldn't be in favor of, you know, any kind of first time deal. I, I think they got to go get a guy. And you know, if, if you know, if, if you're gonna keep Will Muschamp, you you have to give him the resources to go fix this. And that means a million to buy out McClendon and one point five for a new coordinator. You got to go spend it. So that's uh that's the bottom line. All right, this Clemson game. I don't know. I, I there's no. <laughs> I don't want to say abandon all hope here because there's always hope, and and you know Clemson earlier in the year didn't play great all the time, but I mean the heck you, you look at it, people were griping about the Syracuse game. I think that game ended up forty-one to six, so it's not like you know Trevor Lawrence threw a couple of picks or whatever. Uh, I do think South Carolina is. One of the tougher teams Clemson's played, uh, despite the four and seven record, I'd probably say next to A and M, they are the toughest team Clemson's played. Uh, even though North Carolina, we saw beat South Carolina earlier this year. Um, I, you know, they talk about different things on offense. I don't know what that means. You mentioned the receiving cores banged up now. There's not a lot of players, you know, behind those two guys. There's not a lot of creativity to get the ball to those new players, the, the young players. I don't know how they're going to run the ball. I mean, unless they're talking about maybe a decarrying joiner type of thing. Um, I, I see this as being a game that's probably, you know, not like a 63-7 to type deal because I think Clemson's wanting to blow South Carolina out and when you're wanting to run up the score. Um, sometimes you don't play all that well. Um, but I think you're looking at like a, a game similar to like Muschamp's games against Florida State when he was at Florida where it was like 37-7. Um, I'm not saying that's my score prediction, but, you know, just sort of a game like A&M where Carolina just gets no offense and the defense just kind of gasses out. That's kind of my 10,000-foot take on this one. Yeah, there's just not a whole whole lot of reason for optimism uh, for, for South Carolina to – to pull off an upset, much less keep this a close game. I just don't know where the offense is going to come from. Uh, you know, obviously you have fluky games at times with special teams and defensive touchdowns, and you never know what could potentially happen. But if it's a a conventional game where you don't have a lot of points coming from unusual places, I just don't think South Carolina can keep up with Clemson, and I don't think their offense is good enough right now to stay on the field and shorten the game, which I think is the game plan. Uh, but I, I just don't I don't I don't think they can pull it off. I think without a, a, a true threats in the passing game, I don't think South Carolina's gonna be able to run the ball. And and then if you get into obvious passing situations, 
their defense is going to come after Ryan Holinsky. And I think you've already seen signs that he doesn't really trust his offensive line right now with the way they've they've failed to pass protect the last couple of games. He started to anticipate pressure and and you know get rid of the ball sooner than he needs to at times and and move off his spot in the pocket at times before he needed to. So. And, you know, they haven't faced a defensive line like Clemson's uh, in a while. So uh, I, I don't think there's a lot of reason for optimism. I'd love to, to say there was. I'd love to give the Gamecock fans a lot of hope. But uh, there's just not not really a whole lot you can point to from a matchup standpoint or a personnel standpoint to, to feel like South Carolina can, can stay in, in this one and make it a fourth-quarter game. I think this Clemson defense this year, even though they lost all the NFL defensive linemen, I don't know that their fronts is good, but what Brent Venables is doing, they do a lot of three-man front, a ton of exotic pressures like he likes to do. And, Tony, I think their secondary is probably as good as it's been. Um, A.J. Terrell, Darion Kendrick, I think are really good players. Tanner Muse has improved. Uh, as well as Kevon Wallace and some of those other guys they have back there. And then this Isaiah Simmons guy they got out of Kansas, of all places, a few years back. And you know, just to go to show you sometimes with recruiting, they took a, other, a defensive end named Xavier Kelly um, out of Kansas that everybody thought was, you know, I think he was a top 50 player, and he's, he's a role player. And then Simmons was kind of the second guy. And this guy uh, – Sort of toward the middle of last year, just started playing unbelievably, and, and he's he's a freak. Um, and so you got to kind of worry. It's a little bit more of an exotic defense, which I think makes it even tougher for Brian McClendon to draw up any kind of game plan to attack. I, assuming he is drawing up the game plan, um, I, I think that as Brent Venables always does, he he's going to go into a game and say, "You're not going to run it on me." Um, and, and then I just don't know that Holinsky's ready to take advantage of of the downfield opportunities that Clemson does give you at times. Um, and I also think that, you know, because Clemson's secondary is much better, that, you know, they could line up and press man all day long, and, and, and South Carolina's still going to struggle to get open. I mean, especially when you're talking about not having Brian Edwards and a limited shy Smith and, and all that. I mean, that's just uh, – that's going to be pretty tough sledding, I think, for the Carolina passing game. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. That's just uh, that's just something that doesn't give me any hope. Well, I, I don't know. You know, so they say changes on offense. We talked about that. I don't know what they can do. Defensively, uh, I think Trevor Lawrence has played human this year. I still think they're immensely talented. Travis Etienne is one of the best backs in college football. He's difficult to stop. I think their offensive line is good. If there's any area I do think South Carolina, not even saying they have an advantage, but you know, could potentially give Clemson some problems because they've done it against good offensive lines before, uh, is with Carolina's defensive line. Now, I'll caution everybody: Clemson is different than Georgia. They're not. Clemson's not going to sit back there and leave Trevor Lawrence as a sitting duck. They'll run him some. Uh, if you go for pressure, they'll they'll hand the ball off. They'll get they get the ball out much quicker and have much better receivers than Georgia does. So I don't know that I see a repeat performance uh, of that game uh, in terms of how it's going to play out on the field. Yeah, I, I agree with that too. I, I think I do think South Carolina's cornerbacks can can match up better with Clemson's receivers than previous secondaries at, at Carolina have been able to. 
but I don't think there's any question they're going to go after South Carolina safeties and, and try to to exploit that down the field for some big plays. They throw a lot of of uh, you know passes down the field, down the middle of the field, in between the hashes, and 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 that's where the safeties for Carolina are going to have to to step up and play well. And uh, I'm not sure they can over the course of a game. Uh, and uh, like you said, ETN, I think, is the guy who makes it go for them. When their offense is at its best, I think it's when they're having success with him on the ground because it makes their passing game so much tougher to stop when you have to focus resources on on trying to contain ETN, create single single coverage matchups with some of their best receivers, and that's when they can hit you for big plays. And, and it also opens up their their play action when you're you're having to, to focus a lot on trying to, to contain ETN. So... Uh, it's just it's a tough team to match up with, no matter how you slice it. Even if South Carolina was at full speed and had everyone uh, available, it would still be a tough matchup. I would give them a better chance to hang with them if Brian Edwards was healthy, if Shai Smith was healthy, if their offensive line was playing like it was earlier in the year. Um, you know, I'd give them a little bit better chance. But uh, as it is uh, the current state of the team, I, I think it's going to be really tough. All right, so changes are probably coming. How, how soon do you think we'll hear something on all this? I know that uh, under under Spurrier they had um, they had that Saturday after the '08 season, uh, after the gosh, I guess it was after the Clemson game. They made some changes, uh, fired John Hunt, and sort of uh, started the process of him shaking up his staff after year four. How soon do you think we'll? Uh, not just with McClendon, but maybe with everything else. I mean, do, do you think that there'll be some news come next Monday? Or, or do you think, uh, you know, I know you said with McClendon, he may get a chance to, to look for a job. But, you know, in terms of everybody else, how soon do you think we're going to start, you know, tracking some changes on the BigSpur.com? I, I think it would be very quickly, or at least pretty quickly, at least behind the scenes. Whether Will Muschamp is going to come out and announce something immediately, I don't know. I, I would tend to lean towards not just because of the respect he has for his coaches, and I know he wants to, to handle things the right way from a, a personal standpoint with those guys that he has a good relationship with. But uh, and, and I think how many changes take place could be dictated partially by who he hires uh, as offensive coordinator because – you know, some guys are, are funny and, and want their own guys or as many as their own guys as they can get. Some guys are okay with with you know not hiring a, a bunch of their own guys. So I think it just depends on who he hires there. You know, I think Jeff Dillman is another one to potentially watch. We'll see uh, whether Muschamp makes a change there too. But I, I think the and again I've said this in previous podcasts and on the site I'm not putting all of the injuries at the feet of Jeff Dillman. Uh, I don't think it's all his fault, but. I, I do think uh, sometimes a, a fresh voice is needed and a fresh approach is needed from a strength and conditioning standpoint. And, and I think the, the time might be right to, to, to look elsewhere there as well. So, yeah. you know, defensively, I don't know. You know, the defense has played well enough to win just about every game this year since Will Muschamp took over. Uh, you know, you, you could always have a guy or two look at other options and potentially leave, but I would be surprised if there were any forced changes on that side of the ball just given how that group has played for the majority of the year. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think particularly we talked about on the last podcast, Mike Peterson and John Scott have done a great job with the, the defensive line this year. I think the linebackers have made some improvements, and, you know, the – 
the one spot that on defense that keeps being frustrating is safety, which I don't understand that when you got your head coach coaching that position. And it's safety. I mean, you can – in recruiting, that is not a position that's terribly difficult to find, but they've just had, you know, some bad things happen back there. So, I'm with you on that. All right, everybody. That's it for this pre-Clemson episode of the uh, Inside the Gamecocks podcast. I'll be back with a final word the day after Thanksgiving. Everyone, please have a safe and happy Turkey Day. For Tony Morrell, this is J.C. Sherbert. We'll talk to you later this week and next week. And hang in there.